Hands up if you have ever been a referee for someone. Now, this isn't a sporting referee, okay, so don't get confused there. But if someone has asked you to be a referee for them, anyone that's been asked, yeah, we've got a few people, okay. So, if you were to explain, and it's open to anyone, can contribute to this, if you were to explain um, the purpose of a referee, what would you say their role is? So, anyone want to pop up their hand and say, someone in, in employment industry? To mediate. To, to be, mediate, yeah. yep. Yep, okay, yep. Other thoughts about the role of a referee, what sort of things they might do? Yep. After the safety and make sure it's fair. Yep, okay. Rightio. So, and if you're thinking about more of a job referee, um, that sort of thing, what sort of role might they have? We've got Anna here. To um, relate to the person who's asking you the questions, all of the good qualities that the person that you are refereeing for, that they would have to be able to complete that job. Okay. So you're really thinking of all of the great things, all of their great qualities and their character, um, personality, all of the th those and things that they've done in their life and you're stating those to that person saying, yes, I think they'd be the best person for this job. Yep, okay. I've had people ask me to be a referee and I've said to them, I'm happy to be your referee as long as you're happy for me to be honest. <laughs> Sometimes they don't go any further than that. <laughs> Um, an intercessor? intercessor? Yep, okay. Radio. Any other thoughts on being a referee and what's involved there? I think we've captured a, a few different elements of, of that. And so, as you think about um, the, the role of a referee, um, for work purposes and that sort of stuff, often a, a referee can be someone that is involved in court proceedings. So, you can be asked and called on to be a character referee, uh, to uh, talk about the person's character and how you see them. That can be in a written form or you can sometimes be asked to appear in court as well. And for me, I've been doing several reference checks in this last week as we've appointed a couple of new staff in CareWorks. Um, so, I was involved in doing uh, Samantha's reference checks and contacting people about her. Um, but also, in more recent times in the last week, Josh, who is joining the CareWorks kitchen team um, as a casual relief uh, staff member to help out when Jan's away, um, I had to do reference checks for him. And then also for Lorna, who's coming on, um, she, is she was trained in Scotland um, as in theatre costume design and manufacture, who will be looking after our new sewing project. And so there was both phone calls that I made and also an email back to Scotland with a whole list of different questions that I asked the referee in Scotland and then they sent, they were really good, they sent back a detailed um, information for me about that to help us to make a really good choice there. As we approach this next snapshot from the life of Jesus in Luke 2, it's almost as if Luke is, is acting as a referee for Anna and speaks about her qualities as a person, and then about her proclamation. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. In a few verses it's that say so much, my intention is I'd like to read the passage. I'd like to give it some historical context and additional information, and then reread it, and then provide 
some application for today. So before we launch into it, allow me a moment to pray. Jesus, as we read some more about uh, some snapshots of, of your early life here on earth, as you took on flesh and blood, Jesus, help us through the indwelling of your spirit in us. Holy Spirit, would you work in us and help us to take on more of the character traits of you, that we would reflect more and more of your image here on earth as we seek to be your representatives. Holy Spirit, as we open ourselves up to you at this time, would you speak to us deep to deep? In Jesus' name, amen. So thanks to Amy for the reading of the verses that led directly up to what we're going to be looking at today as she read from Luke 2, 25 to 35. And we're launching off from what we looked at last week, which is what Amy read. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to them to Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 40. Luke chapter 2, 36 to 40. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, I'm sure you'll be able to follow on just fine. When I Maybe not with that song, but I'm sure you'll be able to um, follow on all the same. So Luke chapter 2, 36 to 40. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanaliel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking about Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting <coughs> pardon me waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem when Jesus parents had fulfilled the requirements of the law of the Lord they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee there the child grew up healthy and strong he was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him so Someone picks up the phone and says to Luke, so tell me, Luke, what do you think about Anna? What's she like? So let's look at the qualities of Anna's reference check that Luke talks about. She was a prophet, or in some translations, a prophetess. Following on in the footsteps of Miriam, Deborah, Hulda, and possibly even Isaiah's wife. There's some debate that she might have been a prophet in her own right, not just the wife of a prophet. Anna continued this prophetic tradition, which was not gender exclusive. She was a widow. After being married for just seven years, her husband died. We know nothing about children, or extended family. All we know is that rather than getting remarried as a legitimate and appropriate form of finding security, she was prepared to focus instead on worshipping God with fasting and prayer. This was no crisis for a woman in search of identity, but this woman was persuaded by spiritual disciplines that kept her close to God. While some translations suggest that she was a widow for 84 years, 
which would probably make her over 100 years of age. It's probably better to uh, and more realistic to understand that Anna had been a um, widow uh, or was 84 years of age. Regardless of which way you want to take it, Luke makes the note that she was very old. So for something like 60 years, this widow, with the gift of prophecy, was regular, uh, regular at the temple. So much so that Luke describes her as being there day and night. That's not to suggest that she slept rough on the temple floor, on the temple courtyard, but probably out of respect for Adam's dedication. She had been provided with a room in the general temple precinct, giving her easy the ability to have easy access to come and go to the temple whenever she uh, felt the, the need to do so. That regularity in the temple area had people come to her. They recognised her prophetic gifting. Soon a group of like-minded people who had been drawn to Anna uh, and, and they, like Simeon, waited for the coming of the Messiah to come to rescue Jerusalem. Anna spent time worshipping God with fasting and prayer. Prayer was more than just going to God with a shopping list of needs. While God wants his people to come to him with their heart's desires, with the desires of their hearts, God also wants to share the desires of his heart with his people. Prayer is a movement of longing between, of desire between the creator and the created, God and his people. Fasting as a spiritual discipline, is about channeling a hunger for food and directing it to become a hunger for God. While today some fast for health or for weight loss reasons, for Anna, fasting was not about her size, but revealed instead her spirit. A sacrificial heart with a heart for God. So if you wanted to find a godly example of a person, then Luke's reference check on Anna shows her to be a passionate, dedicated follower of Yahweh God who would speak with authority to others, sharing the heart of God with those who longed for God's rescuer of his people to arrive. Anna and Simeon are likely to have had some awareness of each other, but regardless the prophet overhears the interactions between Simeon, Joseph and Mary regarding Jesus and the interactions that took place there. And she's drawn into this conversation. Immediately, she begins praising God and proceeds uh, John the Baptizer by around 30 years in telling others that Jesus is the Messiah that this redeemed one that came to the temple on that day to be redeemed back is the nation's redeemer. Verse 39 continues, When Jesus' parents had fulfilled the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I'm not sure whether you're aware of this, but we actually have an omission in Luke's account compared to that of Matthew's. And it's worthwhile spending just a short few minutes to look at where that might fit in. So if this is of interest to you, great. If it's not, then I'm sure you'll be polite and not snore too loudly. But let's have a look at this. There's a couple of things that are recorded in Matthew chapter 2. 
There is the visit of the Magi, the wise men, the astrologers who come to Jerusalem to receive and receive a meeting with the King Herod. Herod was noted for his good looks, but also for his paranoia in killing um, those that were within his family that threatened his reign and those outside of his family that he saw as a threat. Then we also have the visit, the Magi visit, they discuss the birth of the King of the Jews. They then continue to Bethlehem to find Jesus, Mary and Joseph and offer their gifts. The resulting angelic warnings have the Magi return home by another route. And Joseph bundled up his family and flee as political and religious refugees to Egypt. Once Herod had died in 4 BC, Joseph then takes Mary and Jesus back to Israel. Rather than returning to Bethlehem, where Herod's son Achilles ruled over that area and had killed 3,000 Jews within just a day or so, of him taking over from his father. Joseph takes the time to go back to Nazareth. So where does this fit in Luke's account? Well, there are two thoughts here. One is that Matthew 2 fits between Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, which looks like this. So you've got, um, I think on the next slide there, Jesus is circumcised in Bethlehem. So that's on day 8. Then in the next um, 32 days, between Jesus' birth and dedication, we read about um, what happened in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, uh, Luke 2, 21 and 22. And in that 40-day period of the first 40 days of Jesus' life, the Magi arrive in Bethlehem via Jerusalem. After worshipping Jesus, they give the gifts. The Magi then head off in one direction while Joseph, Mary and Jesus head to Egypt. Herod orders the killing of all the boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding area who were two years old or younger because of his paranoia about this king of the Jews. Herod dies within days to maybe a week of this. Herod's uh, dominion, his area of reign is divided up. Achilles is installed as the ruler of the bulk of the area and follows up Herod's actions by dealing with some protesters who are protesting about Herod's behaviour in putting an, a golden eagle on top of the temple and kills about 3,000 of these rebellious protesters in Jerusalem. On the 40th day of Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph slip into Jerusalem from Egypt, offer the cleansing and sacrifice for Mary and the redemption offerings for Jesus, meet up with Simeon and Anna and slip off again to Nazareth. The alternate view and what I was taught and my preferred view is that there is this comma that takes place and in this comma um, is a lot of stuff happens that Luke um, may not necessarily know anything about. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled the requirements of the law of the Lord, comma, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned to Bethlehem and stayed there for several months to maybe a year. During this time, the Magi come from the east via Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Angelic warnings send the Magi home via a different route and Joseph 
Mary and Jesus are also warned to flee. So they escape to Egypt. Herod's actions soon follow and the Bethlehem boys and, and from the surrounding area, all under two, are killed because of Herod's paranoia. Joseph, Mary and Jesus are refugees in Egypt for a while until Herod dies in 4 BC. Archelaus, within days of taking responsibility for Jerusalem and the surrounding area, which included Bethlehem, also kills 3,000 protesters. So Joseph, Mary and Jesus, rather than returning to Bethlehem, they return to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favour was on him. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we also saw the importance of having a firm foundation. And it's interesting that Luke intentionally takes a balanced perspective, a balanced approach and wants to portray Jesus as being sent by God as God's Messiah, Saviour for all. Jesus is the Saviour of the poor, the working class, the farmers and the pastoralists, the shepherds. Jesus is the Saviour of the pious, those who strive to live an intimate relationship with God. Simeon and Anna. Jesus is the saviour of the Jewish nation, but also the saviour of the Gentile nations. He is identified and worshipped by men and women. Luke wants to make sure in these first few chapters that a foundation is set on the account of Jesus, that Jesus is indeed God's sent one, the Messiah for all people, for all classes, all genders, all cultures. Jesus came to offer the plan of salvation and redemption to the whole world. So with all of that in mind, noting the balance as well between Simeon and Anna, let's reread the passage and then a few final reflections. Luke chapter 2, 36 to 40. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favour was upon him. You know, when we look at the life of Anna, there is a challenge for us today. When the harsh realities of life set in, and life seems to be stacked up against you, for this woman in her probable 20s, rather than running from God, she instead chose to run to God, to press in close to him. She used the gifts given as a prophet to draw people closer to God 
and fueled an expectation that God continues to be at work. For the next 60 years, Anna epitomized patience and perseverance. Now, I won't ask here today who's 84 years of age or older. But here we have in Anna, an 84 plus year old, who is still being used by God. Luke does not refer to her as a retired prophet. Anna, at 84, is still actively involved in ministry. Ministry of the Word and worship. She hears from God. She responds to God. She fasts and she prays. She is also a proclaimer, not the Scottish duo band, a real proclaimer, but a proclaimer to others of who Jesus is as their Redeemer, their Rescuer. So if you're here in, or you're listening on this podcast and you're in your 20s and life has given you some hard knocks, then please know that God is not finished with you yet. And if you're 84 plus, then God is still not finished with you yet. God wants to be at work in you and through you to proclaim Jesus as Redeemer, Rescuer and Saviour for all people. So how do we respond today? What's God been saying to you as we've spent time together? Well, I wonder as we take those response cards, and I encourage you to pull those out now, what setbacks are holding you back from ministry? Perhaps you've seen yourself as being retired from ministry. Commit these to God, who knows your struggles, but also has a future for you. Perhaps you might want to commit time, um, commit to spending time with God in prayer, maybe prayer and fasting. Conversations with your Creator, where you spend time not only talking to God, but also listening to God. And lastly, something else that you may want to choose to respond to. To whom might God be calling you to share Jesus as Messiah? Who might God be laying on your heart that he wants you to be a witness to? As the music's played, I invite you to take those response cards, use this time to respond to the things that God might be saying to you today. God bless you.